0: This is the Healthy Aging Podcast from Clover Health, exploring a wide variety of medical and wellness issues for older adults and their families. Here's your host, Jason Alderman.
1: Welcome. This is the Healthy Aging Podcast from Clover Health. I'm Jason Alderman. We're here with Dr. Kumar Damarajan. Kumar is the Chief Scientific Officer here at Clover Health. Welcome. Welcome
0: happy
1: to be here. Let's talk about navigating a doctor's office. It can feel like, a, a, frankly, from a patient perspective, a bit of a Byzantine world. I see receptionists who handle billing. I see medical assistants. I Sometimes I see nurses. It looks like they're all wearing the same uniform. I have a hard time telling who is who. As a patient, who does it make sense to be friendly with? Who do you need to get in good with in a doctor's office?
0: Well, first off, we should be friendly with everybody, (laughs) but but I understand your question. So this might seem obvious, but I think the most important person to build your relationship with is the provider, the doctor, nurse, practitioner, physician assistant, whoever sees you regularly, because you need to have an open trusting relationship there to get your health needs met. If you don't feel like you can trust that person and interact positively with them, I, I think the rest of it doesn't matter. Right. You know, beyond that, I, I do think that, you know, the receptionist is oftentimes a gatekeeper. You're talking to that person on the phone, you're talking to that person there. And so I'm not advocating for developing a special relationship to get, you know, special privileges there. But, you know, I do think, you know, to the extent that you interact with them, we're all human at the end of the day. And anyone who makes you feel good and have a positive relationship with, you know, those result in good things, and so while there are many people there, treat everyone well. Fine, fine. <laughs> get to know your doctor as much as possible. It can be hard to build that relationship, but the receptionist is the the first person in many cases.
1: What does the medical assistant do? A lot of provide. A lot of doctors have medical assistants. What are they
0: the ones? What are they doing in
1: the exam room with me?
0: They're doing a lot of important things. They're actually, if it's done well, they are doing things that the doctor or nurse doesn't necessarily need to do, which gives you more time with that person when they do get in the room. So the medical assistant, in many cases, not always, different offices work differently. They may ask you some questions, right, just to confirm things. And so then the doctor or nurse doesn't have to spend that time asking you the same questions. Maybe your allergies and the medicines you're taking, why you're there, things like that. They may be checking your vital signs, right? They're doing a blood pressure, checking your heart rate, checking your breathing. So it's one thing less that the doctor has to do. They may be telling you if it's important to take your clothes off and put on the gown and keep it open in the front or the back, depending upon the office. So really, I think they're an extender and they're part of a team. They're doing vital functions, but functions that the nurse or doctor don't need to do because you want their time really talking to you about why you're there, addressing your health concerns, coming up with treatment plans, seeing how you feel about that, and then charting the next steps.
1: Thank you. I always wondered what they were, and they're not—they're not nurses usually. They're either lesser trained than nurses. Is that right?
0: Yeah, it's a different sort of training, uh-huh. and they usually through that training learn some medical education about disease, but there are a lot of procedural things that are critical, whether it's taking vitals, drawing blood, doing an electrocardiogram, which is a test to look at how your heart is doing, things like that. Those with the training.
1: Got it. All right. So here's a situation that I've had on more than one occasion. I call up, I want to see my doctor. And so, of course, you talk to the receptionist who answers the phone. And you never really know who you're, you know, I don't know who I'm getting to. Sometimes it's a changing cast of characters. Maybe I recognize the name and the voice. If it's a routine appointment, I want to come in just for a checkup. I don't have any problem with that. But sometimes I have a, you know, something that's a little embarrassing. And, you know, talking about some embarrassing medical problem I have with a receptionist, you know, that makes me feel uncomfortable or... I'm not sure they fully get it. You know, I'm not maybe not describing the problem I have very well, and they're not a doctor, so I'm not sure they get it. Is this a common problem? This this sort of concern, embarrassment about talking to the receptionist about what the problem is.
0: It's a human problem, right? I think we get concerned about talking about sensitive health matters with many people. Receptionists are part of them. Some of us actually get concerned talking about that with our doctor, mm-hmm. right? It's very- is that right? You have problems with patients who won't spit it out. Yeah. I think you have to make patients feel comfortable, right? What if it's an issue they're having with sex or another, you know, they're privates, right? And so, and a whole bunch of other, or they're feeling depressed, right? Or anything stigmatized, right? Some folks might have it, you know, difficulty talking about maybe they want to get HIV tested, but that's a difficult thing for someone to bring up. There are tons of examples. I think the important thing to consider here, it's hard to do, but just Bear with me here is from your perspective, it's embarrassing. Think about how many calls receptionists get every day at a doctor's office. I think they've heard it before. <laughs> they've heard it before many, many times. And so, you know, they're in the health business. And so I think you can feel fine bringing it up. I think it's, a, I can't actually imagine something that they've probably never heard before. But if you truly, truly are feeling concerned, has to, to talk to the nurse or somebody else. But really, I think from the receptionist perspective, there's probably nothing that you can surprise. <laughs> okay.
1: All right. That, actually, that makes me feel better. Let's stay on the receptionist piece of it because you mentioned that they're the gatekeepers and they really do. Like, It you, you, often feels like without the receptionist, you may not be able to even see the doctor. And so- there have been some times where, even for myself and sometimes for my parents, where there's a, a semi-urgent issue. It's not hospital urgent, but they really want to be seen today. But, you know, it's an ailment. It, it's they're, They just got sick. It's not like they can plan for this. They call up and the doctor's full. Can't see until tomorrow, next week. And I recognize sometimes there really is physically no room and it just can't be done. But is there some way to help convince the receptionist, certain things to convey to the receptionist who, who makes the call, so to speak? about whether you get in or not, it really is important that you really need to be seen today.
0: It's hard. And talking about gatekeepers first, just for folks to understand how this process may work. Every office is different, but it's often receptionist. And then sometimes there might be a nurse in between before you get to a doctor. And the idea here, let's, you know, use your example of a parent. Let's say someone has a cough, right? Or, you know, they have a new stomach ache or something like that, and they want to be seen that day, it's usually going to be the receptionist. And then, you know, your loved one gets transferred to a nurse who does that initial screening and triage. And part of their job is to figure out, is this actually an emergency over the phone, like a true emergency, in which case you probably just need to go to an emergency room, an ER, right? This sounds scary, right? Or something that's not at all pressing, or does it actually fall in that sweet spot where a person needs to be seen the same day or the next day, right? And so, you know, I think at least trying to get to that next step can be helpful. Yeah, and what do you, what do you say? What's the what are the right
1: trigger words? You know, for a receptionist who maybe harried, obviously not a medical provider, his or herself. What do you need to say to get to the nurse to get somebody to
0: properly triage you. Well, I think you can just say, I'd like to speak (laughs) to But But that might be hard to do, right? Because, you know, there's a hierarchy there and, you know, traditionally folks, there's been, you know, power discrepancies between physicians and patients. And sometimes it's hard to be that advocate, but I think, you know, first you might not even know how the office works. Right. And so I think if you're feeling like you're being ignored, I think it's to say, and again, to do it nicely to the first part of our conversation, to say, hey, I don't really think I'm being fully heard here, or how I'm feeling is not being truly grasped. Is there someone that I could talk to, like a nurse, even if it's not my doctor, who can help me understand when is the right time for me to be seen? And that's maybe how I would say it. Everyone's going to say it in their own way. But I think. That nurse is that next level gatekeeper. And remember, their job, if you think about it, taking a step back, is to make sure the doctor isn't distracted by lots of other stuff. So when you do get in to see the doctor, you have more of that doctor's attention. And then the other thing I would step back and say is, if you have a doctor, it's one thing not to be able to see you the same day, especially if it doesn't really need to be seen the same day and it's like a next day. But in the example you gave, you said next week, or what if it's a couple of weeks later? If you find that your needs are not being met in a time-sensitive way, when they are time-sensitive to you even, I think you might need to think about other doctors or having that conversation with your doctor.
1: That's good advice. Let's let's continue that theme of sort of once you are in with a doctor, sort of being a good advocate for yourself. And I know this is something that you've talked about before, and, and I think of this particularly, you know, for seniors, it may be a little bit harder, or if you're an adult child, you know, and you're helping your older parents navigate and trying to help them be advocates, well, let's say you're in the room with a doctor. And, you know, for you, this feels like this is a, you know, this is a big deal. This is a big problem. But the doctor is taking a more conservative wait and see approach. How, how can you help convince the doctor to s- see things that you, the way you see it and, and to... To see it as seriously and as the same kind of level of concern the way you see it?
0: It's not easy for a lot of us to do that. And so, my advice here this might seem strange is to rehearse for the encounter, right? So, you know, I don't want to make this akin to a job interview, but clearly, if you were going to have a job interview, you should practice something before then, right? Think about talking about yourself, answer that question tell me about yourself or you know some degree of prep or if at work you're gonna have a tough conversation with a coworker or someone who reports to you that you manage, you might rehearse something in your head before you actually have that conversation or talk to your kids right about a sensitive topic you may think about talk with a partner if you have one like how should I really address this? I think the same thing applies here, right? And I think there are a few components to it. So think through in your head, you don't have to do this all day, but give at least a few minutes of what do you want to get out of this encounter, right? I suggest to people, jot down some notes, literally write out a few bullet points, bring those bullet points with you, because in many cases, we forget things, right? So if it's important enough to you to write down, bring it with you. So I think That's one tool to advocate for yourself. In addition, you know, if you have a loved one or friend that you trust, you know, bring that person into the conversation. So literally into the appointment. Yeah. So I think especially if you're a senior or anybody, actually, if you have a caregiver or a child or a friend, come with that person because that's just, another ally is the way that I look about it. It's not about ganging up on the provider, to be clear. It's just someone who's going to support you when you might not remember to say something. And at a minimum, I would say, you know, and it's not always possible. I get this. If someone can't come with you, let's say your daughter can't come with you or your son because they're working and they may not be able to take time off. Maybe you can call them, when you're in with a provider and put them on like a speaker phone or something like that, to have them listen in. And you know, the last part, which is, it's hard, is, you know, just being honest, right? So like, about how you feel, right? So, and it's hard. This is a hard thing to do with anybody in our life in many, in many cases, which is, if you're not satisfied, I think we have to coach ourselves and be very mindful of that feeling And then try and address it. It's hard because you have to feel it and then address it within the context of that 10 minute, let's say, office visit. But if we can do that, I think we'll be in a position so we're not dissatisfied. Because my sense is sometimes people have the encounter, it's closed, and they're like leaving and they're like, I don't feel good. Or I wish I said this. And so trying to be mindful of that feeling when the encounter is happening, I think helps us articulate really what we're thinking. Excellent advice. I'm going to follow that. Kumar, thank you. This has been the Healthy
1: Aging Podcast from Clover Health. I'm Jason Alderman. We've been talking with Dr. Kumar Damarajan. He's the chief scientific officer here at Clover. Thanks, Kumar.
0: Thanks for listening to the Healthy Aging Podcast from Clover Health. If you like what you heard, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to share with your friends and family. For more information about Clover, visit www.cloverhealth.com.